This episode is brought to you by Awesome CX by Transcom. Awesome CX provides high-touch, personalized customer experience services to consumer brands of any size. Stay tuned for a special offer for Stairway to CEO listeners later in the show. Hello, everyone. It's Lee Green, and welcome back to the Stairway to CEO podcast. It's my mission to bring you real, honest, and unfiltered interviews with some of the most innovative founders and CEOs from all walks of life. We'll talk about their climb to the top, their stumbles along the way, and the steps they took to get them to where they are. So tune in to get inspired, listen to some real talk, and enjoy the show. Hello, hello, everyone. I'm your host, Lee Green, and welcome back to the show. This is episode 184, and today I sat down with Jesslyn Rollins, the CEO of BioLite. BioLite is the world's first IV in a bottle, formulated for intense hydration benefits with nearly 6.5 times the amount of electrolytes compared to other leading sports drinks and only one-third of the sugar in each bottle. I think you're going to really love this episode, all about how Jesslyn works her way to the CEO's seat at BioLite and turned her father's formula into a multi-million dollar company. If you like what you're hearing on the Stairway to CEO podcast, don't forget to click subscribe, leave us an awesome review, please, and check us out on stairwaytoceo.com. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, Jesslyn. Thanks so much for joining us on the show today. I'm super excited to hear your story and becoming the CEO of BioLite. How are you? And thanks again for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm great. I am pumped to get the opportunity to talk to you and tell you a little bit about BioLite. Yes. And I can't wait to hear the story. I definitely have been doing my research and I've heard your story, but I want to hear it straight from you. Let's start with how you grew up, what childhood was like for you. I think you said you're born and raised in Atlanta, right? Yes. I'm a fifth generation. Oh, really? Wow. Really? In Atlanta. All right. I know. That's why I can't move anywhere else. Got to keep the streak going. <laughs> Don't want to ruin the heritage. <laughs> yeah, can't do it. Can't do it. So what? I had a wonderful childhood. My parents were incredibly devoted to me and my two older sisters. I mean, we were princesses. We went to the best school. I had wonderful friends. My mom was a very dedicated, loving mother. We're talking president of the PTA. She was very involved. She was always on time. (laughs) I did not get that as a gene. And my dad just, I mean, he worked his tail off for us. He was an anesthesiologist and pain specialist. And he was very regimented and very good at what he did. And he was very behind the scenes. And so even though he was working extremely hard and all the things, he never fussed about it. And that was just the way that it was. And I loved growing up with my sisters. We had a farm up in Canton, Georgia that I got to spend a lot of time on. I went to love it since it was a K through 12. Mm -hmm. So some of my best friends I've known since we were all five years old. Wow. Yep. And then went to the College of Charleston right after that because I was like, listen, Georgia's wonderful, but I'm going to go and, you know, sow my oats somewhere else in <laughs> South Carolina, right next door. And Wait, then, before we get into college, I want to know more about little Jesslyn. Like, what kind of kid were you? What were you into? Oh, what did you want to be when you grew up? Like, tell okay. us about little Jesslyn. Okay, that's so nice to hear because typically the feedback I get is you need to speed up. Because you talk way no, too much. No, we need to speed down. We're, we we're going to do speed. child psychology right now. Incredible. <laughs> okay. So little Jesslyn was, I was very imaginative and I was very comfortable with being by myself and playing with my imaginary friends. Mm. Their names were Dobie and Okra. <laughs> These were stuff. No, these were imaginary. They were imaginary. They were imaginary friends, and they were both boys. 
And we just had the best adventures together. And when I wasn't with Dobie and Okra, I was following my two older sisters around with their friends and whatever they wanted to do, whether it was exploring a creek or riding horses for me, not very well, or doing whatever they wanted. Like I was very much the youngest sister. Mm -hmm. And like we went to horse shows and my sisters, I mean, they learned how to saddle their horses and make their own food. For me, I was the baby. Everything was prepared for me. Like I just showed up and got on the horse and hoped for a blue ribbon. And Sarah (laughs) and Madeline and my mom and my dad were really the ones that were behind the scenes making everything wonderful. And I can't say enough nice things about how wonderful my childhood was. There's a poster in my bedroom that they took a picture of you. And it was like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Mm -hmm. And I was in an apron and I had a baby and I had a crown and I wanted (laughs) to be a princess mummy. That was the dream. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And, uh, you know, it was like, I want to be a mother, but I also want to be royalty. Right. (laughs) (laughs) One does not come without the other. And I didn't I didn't know that was a possibility until Meghan Markle came on the scene and I was like, she stole the plan. <laughs> I was in. supposed to be her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that was me. So I grew up in Atlanta, but we had a farm up in Canton, Georgia. So I feel like I am equal parts city and country. Mm-hmm. My mom is from Vidalia, Georgia. She was the homecoming queen, was the onion princess. So if you don't know about you've heard of Vidalia Onions. No. Oh, my God. So they're the sweetest onions. Very famous. And uh, Mama was the Vidalia onion princess. And my dad was... What does that mean? How do you become the princess of onions? You become the princess of onions by being the homecoming queen in Vidalia, Georgia. Because they're Mm. Vidalia onions. Got it. Like, for example, we have... If you go to Vidalia, there's a lot of onion memorabilia. Okay. Onions are everywhere. <laughs> and like I have well, not spent enough time in Georgia, clearly. I'm like a northern east coaster. So. And the soil, the reason why the onions are so sweet is they have a lot of sulfur in the soil. Mm. And apparently that turns the onions sweet. The okay. next time you're in a grocery store, check out the onion section. It will literally say sweet Vidalia onions. And I probably have bought one before, but I never looked at the label or what it's called, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're phenomenal. Okay. So your mom was the onion queen or princess or whatever it was called because she was homecoming queen, right? Homecoming queen. So okay. she's the onion princess. Okay. And then my dad was very athletic, typical jock, quarterback. Did they meet went, in high school or something? No, 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 no. I'm just oh. kind of setting the scene. And they did not meet in high school. And I don't think they would have liked each other because you have two like alpha people Mm-hmm. At that time, that wouldn't have worked. So dad and mom meet when mom is at Agnes Scott College, an all-girls school in Atlanta, and dad's in medical school at Emory. All right. And they liked each other from first meeting. Mm-hmm. And uh, they probably dated for about two years, then got married. Then after two years, had my oldest sister, Sarah, my middle sister, Madeline, and then me. Right. And it was, they were, I was the last ditch effort for mom and dad to have a son. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> and the joke in the family, because I was a twin, but the twin died in embryo. What do you call oh. it? So the joke in the family is I killed dad's only son. <laughs> oh my God. Was, do you know if it was the gender? Because the gender? <laughs> no, we have no clue, but my oh. family's. We're, we're, so it was we're before they people. knew what the gender was. And yes. They just say yes. that to oh my yeah. gosh. I was also pretty athletic like my dad. I could do four pull-ups by the time I was five. And it, I mean, full, just go going yeah. hard. And that's also a joke is that I absorbed all the masculinity from the twin. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. So it sounds like you were really into princesses. You had imaginary friends. Your your dream mm-hmm. was to become a princess with a baby. And yep. 
looking back, I guess, real quick on your childhood, because you're a leader, obviously, now you're CEO, I guess, do you have any examples of when you were a kid that shows that you had this like quality of leadership or entrepreneurship? Like anything when your first kind of memory that points to where you are now? Well, I definitely think that having two older sisters that were very strong women helped me become a leader within Love It and within my friend group because my sisters, when you have two older sisters and we're all, Sarah's six years older, Madeline's three years older, we're all three years apart, you know like all the cool stuff before everybody else. Yeah, I mean, you're wearing makeup before everybody else. You're wearing heels before everybody else. Shaving your legs before all the other kids. You're you're doing all the things. <laughs> and so in regards to leadership and growing up, because I was, I mean, I was very heavily, like I had a lot of girlfriends. And I would say that that was with leadership, with them as kind of the examples, that was that was easy for me because I had an in with Madeline and Sarah. Mm. But if you are a naturally outgoing, talkative, friendly person, I do think that you're going to naturally gravitate towards people putting you in that position. Yeah. And especially at that young age, for better or worse, I had a lot of confidence. Mm-hmm. And my mom and my dad, for that reason, instilled a lot of confidence in me and my sisters. And I think that that alongside being naturally outgoing and talkative, I gravitated towards that. And especially being the youngest and me kind of also like time by myself, I didn't like being told what to do. Yeah. And being an imaginative person, I was like, let's go and do this. Why don't we play this game? Why don't we do this? And I just enjoyed that. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I do think so. There's, I think there, I have seen the other side where there's the type of person who really loves to bring people together and is very social and very outgoing, but really doesn't have CEO qualities. They're like a team player, they're not on the leadership scale. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like they like the camaraderie, they just want to be everybody's friend. But a CEO isn't really everybody's friend. No, no. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, no, I I don't want to paint this picture of like me being the homecoming queen because I wasn't. Yeah. Like, let, let me let me explain. So my mom was the homecoming queen. And I remember I really wanted to be the homecoming queen. Mm hmm. Like I really and this is this is kind of funny in jest, but it's true. I really wanted to be the homecoming queen to keep that up. Obviously, like me being a fifth generation Atlantan, like me being in Atlanta, like these things matter to me. I want to keep things. I want to keep the line going. Did your sisters become homecoming queen at all? My oldest sister, Sarah, was on the homecoming court. Oh, okay. But Madeline, no chance. (laughs) (laughs) She's listening. She's like, what? Of course I had a chance. Of course I didn't. No, she's like, I didn't have a chance. But for (laughs) me... This is why you can't become homecoming queen if you're me. I remember thinking in fifth grade, I was like, how does one become homecoming queen? And I was like, you need to be nice. And so I went out and I bought gum because I noticed that like people loved gum and Mm -hmm. gum was like a trading thing. And I was like, well, if I'm the one that always gives gum out, maybe I can be the homecoming queen. So you're like, no, Jesslyn, I think you've missed the point of being the nicest person ever. Like you're not, you're not going to be in contention because your mind is already thinking that way. <laughs> you're trying to sell in your way to, you're trying to sell yourself. To, I'm trying, right. Yeah. I was trying to petition. Yeah, I was trying to make sense. That's what I would try to do. Right. I just didn't really care. But yeah, I yeah. hear what you're saying. No, see, I cared. Because you had a legacy to fulfill. So I get I the motivation. I fulfilled. You know, I wanted the notoriety. I wanted the, <laughs> I wanted all of it. And uh, I think, you know, it's funny. One of my best friends was homecoming queen. And she should have been because she is such a better person than I am. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know what's crazy about LB? And she's going to be like, Justin, I can't believe you said this. Her mother and her mm-hmm. grandmother are both homecoming queens. Oh, wow. So she really had the legacy to fulfill, right? 
And you know what she said when she got it? What? She was like, I feel so bad for my daughter. Oh, uh, yeah. Where I would have been like, listen, little Jesslyn, little, little Susan, you got a legacy to fulfill. Like, step it up. Like, that's, don't mess it up. Don't mess it up. Yeah, I just, I, I naturally gravitated towards leadership and it was not all, and my friends, especially the ones that have known me since kindergarten, they would have said like, yeah, she wasn't always the nicest. But they Definitely. still managed to be your friend, which is the opposite yeah. for me. So we'll talk about, that's another show. <laughs> well, no, but, I, but I'll tell you when you start. So I like in middle school, because middle school is really tough. I wasn't the nicest person. And there comes a point where either you can keep that up and you become that person or you lose all your friends because you're not very nice. Mm -hmm. And I lost all my friends because I wasn't very nice. And I was like, well, I don't want that to happen. That's the opposite direction. Right. What did you do to these kids? I mean, I was, I have to rewind for myself really quick because I was a nice kid, but I think I stepped back. Like I got weirded out by all the clicks and I thought it was just so weird. And I didn't really, so I kind of just pranced around to all of them and I didn't really want to choose a side. It just like weirded me out. But anyways. No, I, no, I liked the clicks. <laughs> I was one of those. Yeah. And that's not how you make friends. <laughs> that's not the right thing to do. And I think, it's kind of like anything in life. I mean, I'm not trying to sit here and say I'm a perfect person and say I've had a perfect life. There's a way to lead that is true leadership. And there is a way to lead that is pure dictatorship. Mm -hmm. And yeah. at the time, there was some dictatorship going on in middle school. Right. And it wasn't received well. And so it was like, okay, that's not who I am. I don't want to be that person because I do love people. And that wasn't going to work. And then over time, I wasn't that person anymore. And I was much nicer and much better for it. So I think we kind of got a good picture of little Jesslyn and how kind of leadership kind of played into how you became who you are. So let's talk about, I guess, college and your first few jobs out of school. Okay. So like I said, I went to love it from K through 12. So that means, and I graduated with about 160 people and probably 50 of them had been with me since we're all like really little. Yeah. And so that played a huge role in who I am. And it is right. love it. You leave with a phenomenal education, but also a high level of anxiety. Private Why? school- because you've never really been outside of a bubble or something and all the same friends over and over again? No, it's just, no, it's a very high strung private school. Mm -hmm. It's not like, wow, I, I hope 50% of the class is going to graduate and go to college. It's like, no, 100% of the class is definitely going to graduate, but a large majority of them are going to go to Ivy League schools. Mm. Okay. And so, so the pressure was to go to an Ivy League. The pressure was to go to an Ivy League and be very smart and be a leader of, mm -hmm. of whatever you were doing. So I graduated and went to the College of Charleston in South Carolina, and it was a very different vibe than Love It. It was a coastal school, like chill, relaxed, and I, at the time... I really couldn't love Charleston for what it was. Like all of my friends were going to SEC schools, joining sororities, kind of doing that natural path. Mm -hmm. And I really, to be honest with you, I really struggled in college because high school was close to home. Everything was very regimented, phenomenal classes, great teachers. I knew what I was doing every single hour of the day. Or then when I went to college and it was like free for all, mm -hmm. I honestly should have done a sport of some type yeah. to get that regimen back because I struggled there. And then I was like, you know what? I've got to try something different. I need to do this SEC school thing because otherwise I'm going to go to graduate school for all the wrong reasons. So mm -hmm. I transferred to the University of Georgia and I met Georgia. I was a very 
especially coming out of Love It. And I put a lot of pressure on myself for school. Mm -hmm. Like my mom was my idol for social. My dad was my idol for work. Yeah. So my dad is brilliant. Like he is a, a board certified anesthesiologist and pain specialist. And he worked his way through high school, college, med school, everything. And he had been every single job you could think of to pay for all this. He had worked at Kraft Food, scraping mold off of cheese. And yes, they do that. And yes, you're fine to eat it. He had been a trash driver. He worked as a lifeguard. Like he did everything. And he was a really hard worker. And dad led by example, not by what he said. Mm -hmm. And I took that a little too far with like, Jesslyn, you are a theater major. You are a communications major. Mm -hmm. You do not need to pull all-nighters every week to study for these classes. Okay. Like you don't need to work this hard. Like it's okay. Go and have some fun. And I struggled with the balance of fun in school, but I ended up with like I was magna cum laude leaving Georgia um, and I loved to learn. And so that was another piece of it. But that was really college. I met my husband. I studied my butt off. I didn't really go out that much, but I made lifelong friends. Nice. Majored in theater and communications and minored in human development mm -hmm. and family science. One of the classes that I enjoyed the most had to do with, and this kind of goes back into that princess mommy thing. Yeah. And it kind of plays into the sisters things and, and girl and guy dynamics and stuff like that. I thought that I wanted to be a marriage and family therapist. Right. I yeah. loved lo anything to do with romantic relationships and, yeah. and the dynamics of like some of my, the things that I learned you know, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, the four things that are the big identifiers of divorce. Yeah. You must like, be into all the love shows like I am on Netflix, like Love is Blind and so, <laughs> The so, Ultimatum. Well, no, <laughs> I'm, you know, it's funny. I'm not. Really? Because, no, because they're not good representations of how to treat somebody of in a romantic they're relationship. they're not. They're the worst. <laughs> like, it's entertainment. It's like, well, I know, and it gives me anxiety. Oh, to be completely honest, like I just, I, I can't. it is pretty bad. I mean, they definitely filter for like the most. I mean, oh my gosh, there must be a psychologist behind the scenes when they're casting these people that is like, yep, they're good, you know, like yep, oh, they got know, enough I issues. Mean, yep, they they're going to be great entertainment, you know. But it's so bad because those are the people that probably have a really hard time handling all this crap, especially being on TV. Right. Yeah. Right. And and so I just, I loved that kind of thing. I loved the way that humans interact with each other in specifically a romantic atmosphere mm -hmm. and the tactics and strategies to stay married, the tactics and strategies of choosing a partner, the tactics and strategies of raising a child. Like I was a theater major and performance and especially coming out of Love It, like I was known at Love It for theater performances. I am made for stage acting, like very expressive, very just, I mean, I got the big eyes, like the big head. I'm going to explain to you what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to say, but I, I majored in that. I'm good at that, but I loved learning about people, mm -hmm. what works, what doesn't. So when you were studying this, it sounds like you were able to really use those strategies and, and you know, whatever it was to find a husband because you did in college. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> That's hilarious. So I am the type of person that I love in the moment. I love improv, but I am insanely strategic mm -hmm. in everything that I do. Like everything must have meaning down to the fake potted plant that I buy from home goods all the way up to an enormous expensive painting I'm putting on the wall. Like everything must have meaning and a purpose. Well, it also sounds like you're not kind of the type that's like, go with the flow. You know what you want and you go after it and you figure out how to get it. So it's funny, but because I'm a youngest child, mm -hmm. 
I am go with the flow because my sisters just push me around all the time. Right. They made the decisions. Yeah. They made the decisions <laughs> where like, let's say we were pi- like me and my friends were piling up for gymnastics practice and everybody was, you know, I don't want to sit in the back. Like I want to sit in the front with my best friend. I was like, I'll sit in the back. You can mm-hmm. throw me on the top of the car with um, bungee cords. Yeah. Like, I don't care. Like I am go with the flow but I don't like to be pushed around. Mm-hmm. Like it's got to be my decision. Right. And I think that that's where the, like I struggle and you'll see that with what we'll talk about with business. That's been probably my biggest, pe- like super social person, people pleaser, but also like, I also want it my way. Yeah. And so let's talk about that. Let's get into the business part. So I know that I think your your father and one of your sisters, I think, came up with the idea and started working on it for a while and then finally brought it to your attention that this is what they were going to do. But let's hear your side of the story for you know how this all happened and, and how you ended up becoming involved in the family business. So here's how I got involved. So at the time, I was working at the Laughing Skull Comedy Lounge selling tickets. I thought I wanted to be a stand-up comedian. I took one class and recognized that I had zero raw talent for the job Mm -hmm. and was like... It's really hard. I mean, stand-up comedy, my sister did that. And it's like really hard. She did actually really well. But stand-up comedy is not for the weak of heart. (laughs) No. And it's not for the not funny. Like you, like you, like I'm a little bit funny. Like this is another level of, like you have been gifted that as, as mm-hmm. a quality. And I just, I wasn't gifted that and that's okay. So I was selling tickets at the laughing skull comedy lounge and I was obviously living at home and my dad sat me down and we were having a glass of wine and he was like, so Jesslyn, I have, I have something that I need to tell you. And I was like, okay, what is it? Cause my dad's a very serious person. Mm-hmm. And what did he have to tell me? And he said, so me and your sister, Sarah, have been working on this drink that is supposed to simulate IV fluid for people that have serious hydration needs. And we came up with the idea when your mom was going through cancer and couldn't keep up with chemo treatments without getting IV bags. Mm -hmm. And he was like, so we have this product and I would love for you to sell it. And I was like, first of all, I'm sorry, what? Mm-hmm. And he said that they had been working on it for four years in secret and told nobody about it. That's a, quite a secret. Oh, my, I, I was like, well, damn. Now I know. Like, like what else are you hiding? You're right. And totally, totally. And I was like, well, dad, I really appreciate the vote of confidence, but I don't know what this stuff looks like, what it tastes like. And he goes, well, don't worry. You'll have over 4,000 reasons to try it because we have over 4,000 bottles coming to the house tomorrow. And I was like, oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. And the thought of working with my family, the thought of working in this company and having this product that, you know, never existed was so freaking cool to me. Mm -hmm. Like I wouldn't, even say that we use the term business or company at the at that point. Like it was just like, hey, we got this drink. Right. So what happened was I was 25 at the time and hey, it's going to it's for serious hydration needs. It's an IV in a bottle type thing. Would love for you to try it. And so what does a 25-year-old person do? I had one too many alcoholic beverages and then I woke up the next morning feeling nauseous, having a headache. And I was like, I'm going to put this to the test. I'm going to try this thing. Mm -hmm. And my dad told me that the only difference between us and an IV bag is that there's a 30 minute delay. So I put a 30 minute timer on my phone and I drank the whole thing down. And I was like, why is it salty? Like, And (laughs) yeah, so I drank it in about 18 minutes. I started to hyperventilate because I was like, my dad's drink does not work how am I going to tell him that he's made a dud? Mm-hmm. And then it, I'm not joking you at 28 minutes was when my nausea subsided and my headache went away. And I was like, Oh my gosh, 
I think we might have something. But I didn't trust myself. I did not believe. Like, of course I wanted my dad's drink to work. Like, duh. Mm -hmm. So what I did was going back to love it. I loaded up a, I had a backpack cooler and I went and talked to the head athletic trainer at Love It. And I said, I've got these drinks. It's like an IV in a bottle. I think it's good for like severe dehydration. And I'd love to give you some samples. And I gave him that BioLite on a Thursday and he gave me a call that Saturday. And he said, Jesslyn, when can I get more of that BioLite? And I was like, you liked BioLite? And he was <laughs> like, I love BioLite. I have 10 guys on my high school football team habitually cramp and literally have to come out of the game because they can't function. He goes, I gave them one bottle of BioLite before the game and one at halftime and nine of them did not cramp at all. Oh, wow. That's crazy. And so that sent me on this massive journey to go, I want to hear that story over and over and over again. Yeah. And so I loaded up my Toyota Highlander that I'd lovingly called Turtle And I went to high schools all across Georgia, all across Florida, and all across Alabama, just dropping samples. And it it was like a 90% close rate after they had tried the product. Mm -hmm. So that's how I got started. So question is like, I I know the answer because I've heard you in other interviews, but What I found really interesting, and maybe you can share with us, is what is the difference? There's so many of these hydration drinks on the market. There's so many mixes. There's there's Gatorade that's been around forever. There's like all these go-to brands that we think of when we're hungover. We need that hydration or the doctor said, blah, 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 you know, these hydration drinks. So when you compare BioLite to those drinks, how do you compare them? So BioLite is the only true medical grade hydration supplement. And the key difference is three things. One, we have a high concentration of electrolytes, aka you would have to drink close to seven sports drinks to equal one bottle of BioLite. That's crazy. Or you'd have to have like three electrolyte powders to equal the electrolytes in BioLite. But It's not just the concentration of electrolytes, it's the balance. The balance that is in BioLite. So the balance between sodium chloride and potassium is actually the exact balance that matches the human body. So it's not just that we have more, it's that we have the right balance. And that is because it's based off of an IV bag, which is based off of the human body. Second of all, there is ingredients that help fight symptoms of dehydration. And so that, like when I said, hey, my headache subsided, my nausea subsided, that was the nausea remedies in BioLite, the ginger root, the dextrose, helping my stomach calm down. So you got the electrolytes, the nausea remedies, and the last but not least is the liver detoxifiers. So when your body is under stress, whether you're going through chemo or you've had too much alcohol, like your liver is trying to filter those toxins out. Mm -hmm. Or if your body's under stress because you're working out too hard and your liver's trying to like pump through all of that, the ingredients in BioLite help your liver detoxify itself. And so those three key things are what make BioLite like a sports drink on steroids. And my dad is uniquely suited to have created the very first IV in a bottle because that's all he did for 43 years was he's an anesthesiologist and pain specialist. And he would create these specific IV bags with additional nutritional supplementation that helped people get through surgery, that helped people feel better. There's an ingredient in BioLite that they put in people's IV bags when people overdose on Tylenol. Oh, so wow. like when, when you have too much Tylenol 
and your liver is shutting down, they add this ingredient into people's IV bags so that the liver can process it better. Mm. That's also found in BioLite, and that helps in multiple different ways. It's an amazing product, and it, that's what makes it the best hydration product on the market because it is that clinical, that medical grade. That's so fascinating. I mean, seven sports drinks. I'm just thinking about like how much that is. And that would be exhausting to have to drink that many. Also, you're not going to get the right balance anyway. It's going to be too much sodium or too much chloride to potassium Mm -hmm. that that's just going to compound. And then you're just going to have piles and piles of sugar going in your body. Yeah. It's a lot of sugar. It's a lot of sugar. A lot, a lot. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Customer service and call centers are rarely topics that people get excited about, but Awesome CX is simply different. Their inclusive culture rooted in wellness and fun means that their teams are encouraged to be their best selves personally and professionally by providing them with everything from mental health and healthcare resources to career development. And regardless of the size of your business, Awesome CX is uniquely positioned to support you throughout your growth. They work with some of the fastest growing startups like FabFitFun, Carbon38, Lettuce Grow, Mudwater, and so many more. Want to see it to believe it? Just email me directly at lee, L-E-E, at stairwaytoceo.com to request to join one of their coffee chats where you can meet with their amazing team and witness the agent engagement yourself. You'll be so impressed. I can't wait for you to learn more about Awesome CX to make your brand's customer experience awesome. Thank you so much to our incredible sponsors for supporting the Stairway to CEO podcast. Now let's get back to the show. Okay, so you decided like, okay, you started selling all of these bottles to your local high schools. And that's kind of how you got it off the ground. So it sounds like you were running sales. At what point did you become CEO of the company? And how did that happen? So I was, and this kind of goes, God, you're, you're making a lot of like parallels. Good job on your part. Because I don't even, I, I, I don't even I, intentionally do that. I'm not putting these <laughs> things together. I campaigned to be CEO since year one. I wanted the job. I wanted the responsibility. I wanted to be Was that. your sister or your dad already CEO? It was interesting. When we first got started, so you're talking about a family of like not business people. I majored in theater and communications. My dad was a doctor, notoriously not good at business. And then my sister was a psych major. Mm -hmm. And I was coming in when the product was already made. And so I had to be kind of delicate about championing that, even though that's not in my nature to be delicate. And (laughs) and so that that was a struggle. But Sarah nor my dad wanted to give anybody titles because they thought, we have a very strong hierarchy in my family where it is like oldest sisters leading the ship, leading the show, then middle sister, then youngest sister. And those family dynamics, when you're creating a company, get crossed over. And then you also have a weird irony of also, we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings and we right. don't want to make anybody report to anybody else. And so we don't want to give anybody titles. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Right, Because when we started getting customers and they were like, who is the CEO? And I was like, we don't have one. So you're just constantly rubbing it in. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Like you you can't like it and it doesn't make any sense. So, so anyway, that, that was a struggle because who's the boss, who's not. And then it was in those beginning years, it was really me and my sister. You know, it's interesting you say that because there's so many co-founders. There's a few I've met over the years where they're like, I'm like, oh, you're so your co-founders, like, what are your roles? They're like, oh, we don't, you know, we don't have titles. I was like, yeah, but everybody has a lane, right? So what's your lane? You know, that's just the title is just a name of what you're responsible for and hopefully what you're good at. You get me. Yeah. You get me. I mean, yeah. How else do you build a business if you don't know what everybody else is doing? Right. It was very black and white to me, but I wasn't in charge. And so I couldn't make the call. Mm -hmm. But also I'm a little bit rebellious. So what does Jesslyn start doing? She starts making business cards with director of sales and marketing on it. Yeah, Because I'm like, people need to know. People need to know who I am and what I do. Right. Right. Because it'll help you do your job. They know who you are and they're able to 
reach out to you because you're the right person who's handling those things. Right. And so for CEO, I know you, I think, pitched it a few times to the family members and you got rejected a bunch of times, but you were persistent enough that they eventually <laughs> were like, okay, fine. Okay. Yeah. So we didn't have a CEO until I became CEO because my dad, he was a nine to five physician. Yeah. He couldn't work in the business. Mm -hmm. He was the investor and the inventor behind it. Right. I was like, we need a leader. Yeah. And please do not bring in some outside clown to tell me what to do. <laughs> like, let me or do I'm this. Out. And I'm, yeah. Like, and, and I'm 25 at the time. Which is perfect because it means that you have complete naivety and ignorance is bliss. So you feel like oh. you totally are capable. You have no idea what you're getting into and it doesn't matter because you're going to be good at it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Even looking back and thinking to myself, I want to be CEO. Like it is crazy to me. Like it's it's insane to me now knowing what the job requires. Mm -hmm. And thank goodness, because I don't like a lot of times when you know all that's uh, like very perfect example. Remember, love marriage and family therapy, love a good relationship analogy. You see that hot guy across the room and you were like, oh, he is too hot for me. There's no way that I can talk to him. How do you freaking know? Well, you are what you think. You are what you exactly. Yeah, exactly. I was starting with no frame of reference, total naivety. I had no idea how hard it was going to be. And I was like, let's freaking go. <laughs> let's go. Yeah, which is exactly the mentality that a startup needs. So yes. it's just this perfect combo. Yeah. And so the company, so in our first year, we did $157,000 in sales. And that year we had just landed Kroger. I'd sold it into Kroger. The nice. following year, the next year we did 1.3 million. The next year we did 3.4 million. And from 1.3 to 3.4 was when they made me CEO. Nice. And then I had remained CEO from 2019 onward. Nice. So now it's 2023. Last year we were at 22.1 million. And every single year has required something very different of me as the CEO. Can you go through that actually? Like what did the first year require? What did the second year require? What did last yeah. year require? And what do you think this year requires of you? So the first year required me to do everything. Mm -hmm. So my parents, so there was no like understanding of hey, when you start a company, you need to go and raise money. You need to have a team and a this. There wasn't that. You had a theater major running it. Mm -hmm. Where I was like, okay, so we have a product. If you ordered BioLite in that beginning year, I had sold it to you, shipped it to you, either hand-delivered it or shipped it to you, and then invoiced you if I remembered to do that. Mm-hmm. So you have to do, for us, we didn't have any outside investment. Dad didn't want to put any more money in. Dad didn't want to hire anybody. He wanted to use free labor. It was like the... the Child labor. No. And that's what he did. <laughs> and that's the thing. It's like the, the modern day version of the family farm. So yes. I don't need to hire anybody. I just had kids. They can run it. That's what he did. Right. So it's like, I paid for your school. Now you work for me. And well, we're even... And, well, and to be honest with you, that's another thing is that like, I have been given so much throughout mm -hmm. my life. Like I went to a private school. I went to any college that I wanted to go to. I never wanted for anything. And I'm a huge believer of to whom much is given, much is expected. And so I am like, let's, let's go. I would have done anything for BioLite. Mm -hmm. Still would, but that's what I did. So that first year was doing everything and mm -hmm. trying to look bigger than we were. Yep. Then the second year it was okay. Now the company is like in a position where we can actually hire somebody. Now who do I need to hire that is like my biggest weakness and getting that first hire was critical. And so I hired a head of logistics 
to manage all of that. And then the next year started to kind of like offload. Okay, terrible at logistics. Let's find somebody to do that. Okay, we probably need to start getting invoices and sending those out on time. Let's get an outsourced accountant. So it's mm-hmm. bringing these people into the network and making those relationships with either internal or external people or companies that can help your business look bigger than it is. Yep. And little by little, we did that. And we made some key partnerships with, I sold it into Kroger and we went into 300 Kroger stores. We made a good connection finally with a good co-packer by like year three or four. And we got in with some key distributors in local beverage distributors in Georgia. But as far as you leveling up personally, because I think, you know, we can only take our business as far as we're willing to take ourselves. So how have you kind of evolved, especially maybe over just the last year or so? What have you done to work on yourself and to evolve so the business can grow with you and that you can grow in the CEO seat as that evolves? So I ran BioLite in the early years, like 2019, like a democracy. Mm -hmm. There was no hierarchy. I had members on my leadership team and pretty much any decision that we needed to make, it was a vote. Mm -hmm. Like I was not in charge. And over the course of the past few years, there has been a need for that hierarchy. So even though I held that CEO title, it was flat. Mm -hmm. And then when it started to, hey, we're going to need some real hierarchy and we need one butt to kick, that's when I started to realize all that I didn't know. And okay, I have no training in, in managing people. Okay, I'm falling into some pitfalls here. There's a lot that I don't know. And so what I did was I joined a business group called Vistage, just kind of a high-level Vistage. You get a group of other CEOs and presidents that are your peers, and y'all meet on a monthly basis. And then you also get a CEO coach. And you work through issues that range at all levels And what was very much brought to my attention was you might hold this title, but you're not acting like it. Like you're going, it's too flat Mm -hmm. and you need to be more directive and you need to stop people pleasing so much because it's sending your company off in multiple different directions. Mm. And so it's kind of getting back to the roots of kind of who I am naturally, because I feel so much like myself when I am direct Mm -hmm. and straightforward and setting boundaries. But I got away from that. And one of the things is that the people that were on that original leadership team, they're not with me anymore. Yeah, Because the moment that I started to recognize that and started to actually lead, they were like, And rightfully so. They were like, who the hell is this? Mm. She didn't tell me what to do. Mm. Like I tell tell her what to do. And it was like, no, 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 you don't. Right. So you had to make the shift. I had to make the shift happen. And they were not comfortable with that. And that's okay. Right. Well, because that's not how it was before. So it makes sense. Right. That's not how it was before. Where Mm -hmm. now that's how it is. Right. And that really got Biolite into a tough spot because this year we have been untangling different leadership that people have been given. For example, Biolite was started for a medical reason. And we're here to help hydrate people with serious hydration issues. Mm -hmm. but people were selling it for all different reasons. And they were saying, hey, this is, you know, a sports drink. Drink it every day. Hey, this is a, this is the best hangover cure you can possibly imagine. And they were selling it like that. 
Mm-hmm. And so we had so much internal confusion on what our product was that I didn't know was happening. And it caused customer confusion because everybody's yeah. like, well, w- what is it? When do I use it? How do I use it? Right. And it was because you had, for years, you had four people leading and we were all going in different directions. Mm. So is it something you can drink every day or is it not supposed to be that way because it's medical grade? No, 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 no. You can absolutely drink it every day and you should. Like it is like if you have an intense lifestyle where you are cycling and working out in the sun and this, that, and the other, yes, have a BioLite every day. If you're a couch potato, it's not necessary. It's not going to hurt you. But that's not the message. Mm -hmm. It's like- Yeah, you can drink it every day, fine. But that's not our message. That's Mm -hmm. not our customer. Our customer are everyday warriors that have serious hydration needs. That is the extreme athlete. Mm -hmm. That's somebody in their later years that's a senior and having difficult with hydration. It's somebody that has an insane travel schedule. Mm. Yeah. Like, flying all over the world and all over the country that their electrolytes are just out of balance. Right. It's somebody going through cancer, somebody going through pots, somebody that is sick and not feeling well. Mm-hmm. That's who we're here for. Right. Like mom was going through cancer and couldn't keep up with chemo without getting IV bags. Yeah. And my dad and my sister worked together to create a product that would bring the IV bag home to somebody like her. Yeah. We need to get back to that. Mm-hmm. And what was happening was you had other people, like I was very comfortable with saying, BioLite is what you think it is and go sell it like that. Right. Well, and that's not really setting a vision for the entire company and then everybody following that vision and working towards it. So right. there wasn't any alignment. Yeah. There was no alignment. And now I have two VPs. I've got a new vice president of sales and a new vice president of finance and operations that are so aligned with my vision. Mm -hmm. And I don't have to fight an uphill battle trying to convince my own leadership team members that this is what the product is and this is what we stand for and this is who we're here to serve. They just naturally get it. Mm-hmm. And it is so much easier setting that vision for the team, creating that strategy, than you telling people what the plan is and who you are, and then y'all all agreeing in the room, and then you leaving the room, and everybody going, I'm not really going to tell my team that. Oh my gosh. Yikes. That doesn't sound good. <laughs> it wasn't. And yeah. here's another thing is that you had people that those individuals brought into the company. Right. So then you're dealing with that and it's layers and layers and it's important to get that out and done with so that it doesn't continue to grow. Right. Yeah. Well, and it's striking the balance of being a friend, but also at the end of the day, being the leader. Mm -hmm. I mean, for years, it's been beaten into me to be the friend be the yeah. cheerleader. Like I wear that really well. Right. But I'm kind of getting back to my roots of I want to give clear direction. This is where we're going. Mm-hmm. And I'm sharpening that tool. And it sounds like you're sharpening that by working with a CEO coach. Yeah. I'm sure that's helped a lot. And I'm sure this community that you're part of is also very helpful because then you're able to share advice with each other and tips and things and support each other because you're around other leaders that are maybe dealing with similar things. Yes. And I naturally, and there's another piece of that of like, there's a lot that I've done. So I've joined Vistage and I'm big into Myers-Briggs tests. Yeah. Because it shares like, hey, this is going to be like personality like mine is super magnetic, people-focused, this, that, and the other, but also here's the weaknesses that come with that. Mm -hmm. 
and added a, um, like I've got a premium subscription because it's like, this is going to be best for this person's personality. Like this is how this person should manage. This is what this person should avoid. And I have pictures of, and writings all over my bathroom mirror just as reminders, like, Hey, avoid this, like sayings and stuff. Yeah. And you said a quote earlier, like you can't lead a, a company if you don't know yourself. Something, something. You along can only those take a company as far as you're willing to take yourself. Yes, yes, yeah. I love it. that's going on the mirror. <laughs> we made that's it on so the mirror, great. people. Did you hear that? <laughs> it's so good. And then another piece is because I never got financial management training. My soft skills are sharp, like mm-hmm. they're really sharp. My technical skills are not. Yeah. And so this past week on Monday and Tuesday, I was in a finance class for both days, learning about how to analyze your business and put your vision down on paper financially and how to do that. So it's a bit of learning about yourself and learning what's best for you and things to avoid, but it's also getting that technical stuff because mm-hmm. I'm hyper aware of what I don't know. And that means that I am ripe for people to take advantage of me mm-hmm. and be like, oh, yeah, we should do this. And I, and I don't want to be in a position to put the company in a bad position because I just didn't know. Yeah. When you talk about Myers-Briggs, that's part of the 16 personalities, right? Is that what you what you use? And which one are you? Yes. So I, I'm I'm the campaigner. Me too. Oh! <gasps> No. Yeah. Get out of town. Yeah. I'm the campaigner. I think it's a very entrepreneurial personality because we we like to rally people towards a vision and a goal. You know, another test you might really like that I enjoyed was the DISC assessment. Have you done the DISC assessment? So I've heard about the DISC assessment, but I don't think I've ever taken it. It's really good. I like that one the most. I feel like it was the most detailed around strengths and weaknesses, but how to best communicate with other people and how they might be able to best work with you. I felt like a lot of it made a lot of sense. Yeah. Probably a high D and I, like I am there. D is dominance and I is influential. And they're very, I mean, high Ds and high I's are some of the best performing CEOs, which I've heard from a venture fund that has every single one of their founders go through this test, this DISC assessment. And so over 30,000 data points, they've learned that they only want to fund CEOs that are high Ds and high Is. <laughs> oh, that is so fascinating. Yeah, it really is. So interesting. I, I love these kind of personality tests. I love psychology and, and everything just like you. So that's why I love these, yes. these tests. I do too. But I, I will say from like a recruiting tool, we've used stuff like that and we still do during the recruiting process. And where we got it wrong was when we prioritized this test over the person that we actually met Mm -hmm. when we met for coffee or met for dinner or met for this and the vibes that we got during that meeting. For our work, we use this thing called culture index. And there's this number one sales personality that you can get. And it's Mm -hmm. called a persuader. And I cannot tell you how many times, two to three times that we've hired a persuader because they're a persuader mm-hmm. and they're just, they're not a fit. They're yeah. not a fit and they don't have good character. It's not a good culture fit, like all the things. And so it's important, but it's probably for us from a recruiting standpoint, it's probably on layer like three or four. Yeah. It's just like a tool as part of the filtering process, but it shouldn't yes. be the, the only tool. Yeah. No, it can't be the only tool because then that means that the way that I look at it is Myers-Briggs or DISC or Culture Index has cracked the code of how, and I'm I'm religious, and so how God put us together. Mm-hmm. And they don't say anything about your character. They don't say anything about those pieces of a person. That's why we layer that in a little bit later in the recruiting process. Yeah. But it is important. It's great just, I think, for everybody to know, like, best way to communicate. And, yes. you know, there's this other things that I think actually they work pretty well as a team. So that's where I give caution to the 
venture fund or the the PE firm that you said yeah. only puts their money towards high D&Is because it's just like, calm down. I mean, I know they've put their money elsewhere, but then the highest performers were high D's and I's. So yeah. I don't know if they're still placing bets on others, but they have the data that points to their highest performing portfolio companies were led by CEOs that were high D's and I's. So if I said that the other way of they're only hiring those people, then yeah. I shouldn't have said that because I don't think that's exactly what they're doing, but I that's where the data has pointed them. So I wouldn't really be surprised if that's what they do. Yeah, right. <laughs> but again, I think it's part of the process and it's just a tool as part of the process rather than yeah. the end all be all. But they're actually, speaking of end all be all, there is another fund I know of that has their own AI tool for personality tests. And it's another assessment and they literally won't invest in you if you do not pass this thing. And it is really one of the first things they have you do. And they've spent a lot. It's very, very accurate. I've taken it before and it's really interesting because it puts your entire team on this like round thing of like leadership. And if you're a leader or inventor or like specialist or you're a team player or whatever it is, but it puts you on this. It's really interesting. So the test that we use, Culture Index. It's on a plot chart, which I love because I'm very visual. Mm -hmm. I'm extremely social. That's my driving trait. But I'm also very autonomous, like lead out front. But because the social one, the people one is further out to the right than the autonomy trait, I naturally am going to gravitate towards being that person. Mm -hmm. And what's good about that, and because it's so visual, in moments where I'm finding myself naturally gravitating towards like being that people pleaser, I'm like, no, I got to bring that A up. Yeah. I got to move it. But that's the struggle for me right now as a leader. And our CFO coach, Tom, who's wonderful, he's like, I'm excited to see you turn into more of a hard ass. Yeah. Because that's what the business needs. It needs that, that D. Yeah. It needs a capital D right now. So before we kind of wrap up, I know we're almost at time. Um, what's one of the biggest challenges that you're currently facing or have faced in building this business? So we talked about one being just kind of wrestling with that people pleasing and the autonomy and which one to pull at which time. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to pivot and go to another one because I literally didn't know this. So a sign of BioLite's success was when we would have our first lawsuit. Mm -hmm. That's and, what they say. <laughs> yes. And I was like, oh, I just can't, you know, very naive. Can't wait for that day. Well, right. Because they say you're, you're not really in business until you're, uh, you've got a lawsuit, right? Exactly. <laughs> like sued for something. Exactly. So we get sued. Huzzah. Check it off. And what I thought needed to happen was we needed to use the biggest, the best, the most expensive law firm humanly possible on this legal matter. Mm -hmm. And what I learned was that the highest dollar price does not mean that you are going to have the best legal service given to you. Yeah. And I truly did not know that. And it's a very Mickey Mouse case. And we got bad <laughs> legal advice and we spent way too much money on it. And I would say with anything in life, go with your gut in any relationship from a lawyer that you're working with to a business partner to somebody that you're hiring. If something doesn't feel right, it is so much better to raise your hand early than it is to wait until it's really late. Yeah. So to wrap things up here, what's next for BioLite? And what final advice do you have for aspiring entrepreneurs or those in the trenches right now? So what's next for BioLite? So this year is going to be the year of stabilization. We have had a lot of change, a lot of restructures, and a lot of new people coming in, mm -hmm. old people leaving. And just getting stabilized and getting back to the basics and focusing on the hustle and the heart that got this company off the ground. And any advice that I could give an aspiring entrepreneur is 
lean into your strengths and then hire for your weaknesses. And another piece is if you are weak in one area, start getting training and teaching on that now. Because if you wait too late, it's going to handicap you in more ways than one. Yeah. So if you're weak in finance, if you're weak in operations, if you're weak in one area, go to class, go to school, learn it because you don't want to be taken advantage of. So lean on your advisors, hire for your weaknesses, but also know what you're getting into. Yeah, know enough about the topic to be dangerous and hire for it. (laughs) Yes, totally. You don't have to do the work yourself, but you need to know enough about it to learn what you need and how to hire for it. Yep. Amazing. Well, Jocelyn, thank you so much for your time today and sharing your awesome story and building BioLite. Thanks so much for joining us. This was a blast. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Stairway to CEO podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Lee Green. And if you have any burning business questions, please feel free to reach us at www.stairwaytoceo.com. We'd love to hear from you. And if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe to the show, tell your friends, leave us a review, and follow us on Instagram at Stairway to CEO. Until next time, guys, keep on climbing.